Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Conscious Vibe Podcast, where we elevate intellect through conscious dialogue while exploring race, politics, business, and culture. I'm Dr. Daryl L. Jones, and I'm Charles D. Mitchell. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us on the Conscious Vibe. Um, I've got a new friend of mine, Ade Tuyo, who's uh, in San Diego. He works for an organization called Health Nucleus, uh, which is on the cutting edge of like preventive medicine um, uh, screenings. Um, and, and obviously, we'll talk more about that as well as we get into the conversation. But um, has a great background story. Um, I'd love to talk more about what your, your work there as chief sonographer at Health Nucleus. And uh, let's just let's just sit back and chat and get to know one another. Sounds good to me. I, I appreciate the invite. No doubt. Hey, well, look, first of all, tell us a little bit about your background, like where you grew up. Um, I know you played uh, college football, but I'd love to get a little background on you, your family, your upbringing, all those things. All right. I'll give you the I'll give you the quick and dirty here. So both of my parents from Nigeria, they actually eloped. They both left Nigeria to London for school. From there, they moved to Boston. where My dad had family from his side that was there in Boston. They were there for a few years. They got married there. And then my oldest sibling, I'm the, I'm the last of four. So my oldest sibling was born there. And actually, my mom's brother was in Austin, Texas. And basically was like, hey, it's cheaper down here and it doesn't snow. So they shot down to Texas, thankfully. Um, from there, basically, like we talked about before, I, I grew up in the northwest side of Houston, Jersey Village area, Cypress Fairbanks School District. Um, from there, well, I'd say from the very beginning, even getting into football was a difficult, difficult road to even get there with those Nigerian parents. They didn't know anything about football. My dad was super into soccer and heartbroken when I told him I wanted to do, you know, I was pointing at Barry Sanders. I was like, I want to do that. And then uh, my mom, being a nurse, that was just, it was hard to get her to let me play because, you know, what she saw of football was you're going to come home with broken bones every day. So uh, really had to talk them into it and even had my siblings in some uh, situations where they would be helping me trying to get in, trying to get into play, trying to basically talk my parents into letting me play. Um, from there, so. Junior high, junior high football was tough for me because I didn't really know the X's and O's. I had like the natural ability, but I didn't understand the game quite that much. And what so it really took. What's that? What position were you playing? Uh, running back. Okay. Running back. So, I mean, it was it's easy to if you're faster than everybody, or exactly. if you've got a few, move, a few moves, and you know, it's just get away from the people and score the touchdown. But. Once I got to junior high and you had to learn to understand the schemes and, and strategies, that's where I took a step back. I actually was on the B team, seventh and eighth grade. And it took just about that, those two years to really understand the game and, and um, get used to getting hit too. playing outside with your friends. You're, you're not taking those those kind of hits. And everyone I played with. You know, grew up playing uh, Little League, Pop Warner. I had to skip all that and wait to junior high so I could play for free. Um, so from there, moving from junior high to high school, I had this coach that was, I guess he just saw the potential in me or I don't know. But he knew he knew I was willing to put the work in. So he worked with me that whole summer just on uh, everything, bigger, faster, stronger, jump higher drills, under, understanding how to read plays. So once I got to ninth grade, I actually made the A team, but I didn't make running back. So the way they do it in Houston, you know, all those schools are huge. So it was actually three junior highs that was merging into, into one, Jersey Village. So from there, it was just like the competition was too much. So I wanted to be on A team and I basically took the L and said, hey, I'll play corner this year if, if I'm just on a team that's what was important to me but uh so maybe about the third game into the season one of my teammates he he was playing running back actually broke his ankle in the game 
And that was kind of, we, we laugh about that now because we, we both ended up going to Tulane as well. But we laugh about that now because when he got back, he went to safety and then I went to running back as soon as he broke his ankle. And when I, when I got in that game where he broke his ankle, it was kind of like where I took yeah. off. Yeah. You know, I saw the opportunity and I was, I was prepared for it because I hated playing corner, hated doing pump return. It, to me, it wasn't worth it playing if I couldn't play running back. That's, that's kind of my mindset back in the day. If you remember that movie, uh, Boys in the Hood, Little Ricky <laughs> running around with the ball, like that yeah. was, that was me. When I was little, I had the ball everywhere I went. So um, from there, it took off. When when Joe uh, came back from his ankle injury, he had moved to safety. And then we actually had another uh, player on our team, Gabe, that played tight end. All three of us ended up signing the Tulane, you know, coming out as as seniors, which was which was crazy. That was um that whole recruiting experience was probably, I'd say to this day, the scariest but most exciting time. You know, uh, every school that's recruiting you is, you know, selling you this dream, right? So everywhere to go seems like a good idea. And then, you know, my dad was pushing exposure, exposure, big school, SEC, Big 12. And then my mom, she's preaching education education so rice tulane smu places like that so what's what's your dad's occupation at the time at the time he was the director of dietary services up at cleveland clinic hospital okay up there in cleveland and then my mom was nurse practitioner so everybody was kind of in the healthcare industry then um that that was tough for me because i was i was really torn like of course every kid coming out of high school you start getting letters. The coaches are calling your house. You want to play big time Saturday, Saturday games, you know? What was the biggest and school then, you turned down? A&M. Oh, really? A&M. Who was the coach then? Um, it wasn't It wasn't Slocum. It was who, whoever came after R.C. Slocum. Okay. I think it was. That wasn't Somerville, was it? It was after R.C. Slocum, but I think he came from Green Bay. I can't remember his name, but it was a it was an NFL coach that came that came to college. I forget his name, but yeah, it was A and M. So I, I took my trip there. It was it was awesome. My, one of my sisters that went to A and M. I loved it. I loved the tradition. But I was looking at the roster, and I was like, man, they got twenty one running backs on their roster. I'm like, I'm trying, I want to play. You know, so that's that was pretty much the main reason I didn't go there. Um, I also I was I was looking at uh, Arizona. I was coming out to the to the Wildcats. What was the name of that coach that year? Uh, Hecklinski was Coach Hecklinski. Um, they his coaching staff was recruiting me, but he ended up he ended up getting let go, and they brought in Bob Stoops, yeah, young brother. So his coaching staff wasn't recruiting me. They were recruiting my teammate, Joe, the one that came back from the ankle. So me and him were kind of going back and forth like, man, like we were, we would we would kind of play, not play the coaches against each other. But if one coach was recruiting us from one team, we would tell the coach like, hey, come check out my boy, too. You know, right. That's what I did at, at Tulane. I was going on my trip that weekend. And Joe was like, hey, man, tell him. Uh, Tell him what's up. So I was like, cool. And they let him come on the trip too. And they had everything set up for him. And it was, it was pretty awesome. So once me and Joe had went on that trip to Tulane, then they started coming a little bit more, a little bit more of the coaches. And that's when they found Gabe. Gabe could have went anywhere in the country at, at our practices. He had Texas, Miami, Florida. He had, he had everybody at our practice, but uh, he ended up choosing Tulane too. I'm, I'm, th- I'm thankful that he did. We're all, all three of us are in uh, three different cities, but we're all still very close. So, so what was it about Tulane? I mean, obviously you looked at a bunch of schools. What was it about Tulane that helped you make the decision? Tulane for me was the, well, the number one thing was the graduation rate. I think it was like close to 90%. My mom was like just hammering away at that. And I was like, 
you know, that that is that is the most important thing. Two was that it was far enough away from Houston that, you know, I'm, I'm away from mom and dad, but it wasn't too far away that, you know, if I needed to come home, I could come home. You know, my older siblings, you know, that were at A&M and in Texas, you know, those Nigerian parents, they'll just pull up on you. They'll come and just show up on campus, like ready, like, where are you at? You know, and expect you to be right there, you know. So I was like, I need to go a little bit further. I need to go a little bit further away. But uh, other than that, the, the other the other things that really drew me to Tulane was um, the just the, the current team that was there. I'd say the majority of the players on the team were from Texas already and from a lot of those areas where I was familiar with. So, and the way that they just kind of took me in as soon as I got there, you know, it wasn't anything that I was expecting at all. Everyone was very welcoming, uh, willing to, you know, show us the ropes and, and tell us how it really was there. You know, nobody was trying to sell us anything. They just told us exactly what their, um, experience had been and I felt like it was genuine so um I'd say other than that just New Orleans the city in general like I honestly didn't feel like I was even in the states when I was there you feel the vibe the no rules big easy like you felt like you're in another country so um we want to get to how you two met because I think that's really important for our audience to hear uh, right the world your space you live in now it's really important. But when we talk right. about, um, you know, I would argue you may be the last generation of kids coming out of high school that wanted to be running backs. Because that's not the most popular position. When yeah, I was a kid, I, 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 I was a receiver growing same. up. But, you know, running back sort of started to fall out of faith. So but yeah. you always knew that's the position you wanted, right? Right, right. I I agree, man. It's it's sad. I kind of feel bad for that because I, I argue with guys a lot. I'm like, man, like as a running back, man, you should be one of the one of the higher paid guys on the team, not not the receivers. And, and the, you know, these guys are asking me what my argument is. And I'm like, man, you got to block like alignment. You got to run routes like a receiver. You got to protect the ball and run the ball like like a solid back. Whether it's you know, outside the tackles, inside the tackles. You got to run those routes and catch the ball like a receiver. And more often than you're not really blocking, you know, DBs. You no. know, when it's time for pass protection, you're blocking a D lineman or a linebacker. Exactly. And they're usually, yeah, they're usually up on you quick. And the majority of the time, they're going to be bigger and stronger than you. So to me, running back was one of the hardest positions. Absolutely. What were some of your uh, like? So, give me some highlights on your your career at Tulane. I'd, I'd say the biggest the biggest was probably my senior year, and that was making the conference team for as a kick return. Um, when I got to, there was another thing about Tulane was, and I don't regret going there at all. But on that trip too, I met this guy named Matt Forte. That. <laughs> Yeah, that was my yeah, that was my roommate. He was my roommate. football player, man. Dude, that kid's good. He's yeah, one of the backs to do yeah. it. And I always tell people because they always ask me, "What what was it like playing with him and things like that?" I could I could say up until I met Matt, I had never played with anyone that could outwork me. Mm. And when I met Matt, it was and I saw how hard he worked then it, it, it lit the fire under me to turn it up a little bit more. And no matter how hard I went, and he know this too, because we, we, we still go back and forth about it now, but no matter how hard I went, he was always a step or two ahead. And man, hats off to him, because he, he, he came in, I feel like, on a mission from day one. I still remember shaking his hand when I met him on, on a, that official visit. And he, he had a... a a look of focus on his on his face. Back then, I can remember. So what what is that? I'm not that I don't. Want, I want to hear your 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 highlights for sure. But what is that about? You know, there's always you know. I think in any sport, 
or anything that you do in life, there are people who just are able to separate themselves because there's, to your point, maybe there's a little bit of a greater focus or there's like um, maybe there's something innate, like something inside or something really natural about that person as a human being that creates that drive for them. What do you think that is? What do you think that was for him? I think it was just how how bad he wanted it. The, it was just from everything I saw he did or didn't do. He wasn't out in the streets. He wasn't out drinking, partying. He wouldn't do, he wouldn't do any of every night before we went uh, to sleep during camp. I remember he'd be on his knees. He'd be saying his prayers, go to sleep. Next day, do the same thing. After practice, catching on the jugs, you know, after practice, still watching film. He was in the business school too. So he wasn't, you know, he wasn't taking the easy route or doing anything like that. So. Love it. Solid dude. Oh, his dad, his dad played at Tulane too. Maybe that had something to do with it too, because his dad would be at practice. You you're not cutting up when your dad comes <laughs> to practice. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. So yeah. you your senior year. So yeah, my senior year, so, so each year before that, like, you know, with Matt being there, I was I was doing a lot of special teams. And each year it was like I was moving back. So you know the 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 kickoff return team, you have the front line, it was like the second line, your up backs, and then your returners in the very back. I feel like every year or each time I would just slowly, I'd be moving back. The first, the freshman year, I was just on the line, that front line, and that's scary up there coming at you. And then uh, by the end of my freshman year, I was an up back, and I remember playing UAB in uh, the old Tulane Stadium in the city. And we were going back and forth. This is a shootout. I think that the ending score was like 56 to 55, something like that. We're just going back and forth. So they they stopped kicking deep because we actually had a really dope returner. And they didn't want to kick to him, so they pushed it to me. And then I had like a really good return. So that's that's from there. They started moving me back and then, you know, our defense wasn't too great, so I was getting a lot of kick. I was getting a lot of catches back there. <laughs> we were on kickoff return a lot, so <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So you you uh, finish your career at Tulane, and then, if I understand correctly, you go to Boston, right, uh, to go to a I think it was a a tech program there. Can you can tell us more. Oh, about so that? I actually so I went back to Houston. I went to that. Uh, program for echocardiography at uh Sanford Brown. Gotcha. So I did that. So when I finished when I finished up school there, I was working per diem or just at, as needed at a few hospitals around Houston. So I would go up to Boston and I would just visit friends from college during the summertime when the weather was nice. Had no idea about really about the winters there, but they they kind of talked me into moving up there. Which I, I thought it was cool. I thought it was an opportunity to just to grow and see see a little bit more of the country. Um, so I spent three years there. I worked at Boston Medical Center, Newton Wellesley Hospital, and um, Beth Israel Deaconess. And it was it was really that last winter. I think it was 2014. One of my buddies moved out to San Diego the year before. So the next winter was like horrible. He's like, hey man, just come visit San Diego. So I come visit. And that's, I don't know what it was. It was, I don't know if it was the airport. You remember getting off the airport and all the windows are open. You can right. see the sun yeah. and the palm right. trees. I like my mood had completely changed. That winter was when I first realized, you know, about the whole seasonal depression. So I've I've always heard the term, but I'd never experienced it myself. That winter was really bad. I think it was like, I think we got like a hundred inches in, like, like six weeks. Oh yeah, I remember. Like, yeah, fast enough to where you know they were running out of places to put the snow. So yeah, things the the, the mood was bad there. So fly to San Diego, weather's great, vibe is great, people are speaking and you know, hello, how are you, smiling at you and stuff. So that was just a culture shock to me coming from Boston. Everyone's all grumpy all the time. Um, but uh, my buddy down here, he showed me a really good time. Um, 
all the beaches drove me around. I got to eat the food and just see everything, you know. Uh, the very last day that I was here, we went to Ocean Beach by Sunset Cliffs. And that's kind of, that's what did it for me. So it's people walking, working out, just taking pictures of the sunset, sunset, people are smoking weed, and everyone's just friendly. And I was just like, man, this is crazy. My, my boy's like laughing at me because he, he just sees like that I'm starstruck at this whole environment. And on the way back to the airport, when he's dropping me off, he saw like another mood change in me. He's like, he's like, man, are you all right? Like, what's going on? And I was like, man, I'm just thinking about Boston, getting off that plane, seeing that snow. He's like, just move out here then. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. So from there, I just planned my move. It took me four months, and I was out here. That's not bad. And I imagine you had a lot more experiences outside of the airport that convinced you to move down to San Diego. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Boston, I was like, oh, man, what am I doing? I felt, I felt dumb. I was like, man, I didn't move down here. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, so from there, once I, once I got out here, I didn't even – I wasn't really – job hunting too much i was like let me get out there and i'll, I'll kind of go to the hospitals from there i know they'll probably ask me to scan you know i'll have to be there it'll just be easier if i'm there and then i saw the um the job posting from human longevity in the health nucleus and i'm reading the job description i'm reading about the company and i'm like what are they doing like i don't get it i need to know these i need to know the answers to these before i go to this interview i need to understand it it wasn't until after the interview that I understood why I didn't understand. Like they're a startup company, right. you know, building this plane as they're taking off. So in, in a lot of ways, they didn't understand what they were doing completely. They knew what the end goal was, but it was just, you know, getting there. Um, so when I, when I came on an interview, it was like four hours long. It was this huge panel of uh, just doctors and geneticists. The other tech team, so I got a chance to meet uh, everyone. Was that interview was Peter on it. Was Peter involved in that or no? Oh no, he wasn't. He wasn't there. Um, Craig was there though. Okay. Craig was. Uh, he's one of the other founders. He was there. Um, but yeah, once once I got on, man, it, it was crazy because it's nothing like it's the exact opposite of the hospital. When I do an echocardiogram on someone, it's because something happened already or something something's about to happen or something happened already. And then completely doing a 180 and doing the echo on people that are fairly healthy. Nothing's going on. They're not experiencing any symptoms where we're able to catch things in people very early on to where they can do something about it. Now that dynamic, just to, just to just step back into that for a quick second, that, that that dynamic typically exists because we're about preventative health. Not not we're not about preventative healthcare mostly in our system, right? We're we exactly. see something wrong, and until there's an event of some sort, or we have some reason to believe something's wrong with your heart, our insurance won't even pay for that, right? So you've got to you got to wait until that event to get that echocardiogram. To your point, um, whereas the ability to go in from a preventative standpoint and to see, you know, those what that condition is and then have some sort of regimen, even if you see it, you find something. Now we can do something about it before it becomes a real issue. Right. Exactly. Of health nucleus, correct? Right. Exactly. You come in, we basically are scanning um, everything. We're going to draw your blood. We're going to look at everything. We're going to see exactly what your health is like right now and what might you be predisposed to in the future based on your genetics. So working in the hospital, it's just like you're saying, like you have to wait for something. I remember going to my primary care physician. I was playing some intramural football. He got out there, really didn't stretch or warm up that, that good and like tweaked my back. So I was having some lower back pain. I go to my primary care physician and he, he, you know, he signs me up for my PT and he orders an MRI. But my insurance denied the MRI because I didn't have like this 
radiating pain that was going down through my leg or, you know, I wasn't having any trouble walking or, or laying down. Um, <clears throat> they were like, yeah, you basically, you got, just like you were saying, you got to wait till something's really wrong in order to get something. So I just went to work and, and Saints put me, <laughs> Saints put me in the MRI. He's like, hey man, your, your L5 is bulging a little bit. Took 20 minutes. I was like, man. So from there, I was I was just doing my PT and I was going to the chiropractor and I also was going to get uh, some just some deep tissue massages on the regular. Just doing the the exercises, back pain's gone. Yeah, and see that's the thing, you know. And it's interesting, you know. I you know I, I know you said you've been there five years, right? And right. I learned about health nucleus, um, human longevity. I learned about it probably, um, gosh. Um, a little over five years ago, um, Peter Diamandis spoke at um, uh, UCLA for YPO, Young Presidents Organization Group. And um, we uh, learned about what he was uh, starting up to your point. It was a, it was a startup, what he was building. And um, was really enamored with it then, you know, and, and unfortunately for me, it took me a few years to sort of like finally come down and, and, and do the assessment. But I think it's, it's something that's game changing in terms of just how we view and how we utilize healthcare, um, not just in this country, but also providing access. Right. And so one of the things that I think is really interesting and you, know, you and I had a little bit of this dialogue last week is that, you know, when we think about our community, the black community in particular, we don't always get this this opportunity to uh, to sort of get out in front of things where we have the ability to sort of find, you know, other regiments or, or, or means to sort of taking care of those health issues early on. Um, I, I, I love to hear about kind of some of your experience being at Health Nucleus and what what you see as like perhaps how the future of healthcare is going to move based upon the work that you guys are doing there. I'd say being able to catch what you're doing now, I'd say most people and the things that they're are running into are things that they can control. A lot of uh, medications people are on or just ailments, illnesses that they're dealing with is, I'd say, mainly things that they're putting in their mouth. You know, what are you eating? When are you eating it? What are the portion sizes? Mm. That's what I hear. That's what I hear more than anything. Now, there's there's some genetic variants certain people have, but for the overwhelming majority, I'd say it's lifestyle, diet and exercise. I'll give you an example of uh, just me for an example. I, I came through the health nucleus for my uh, follow up. It was back in December. And so just picture over COVID, you know, I could say pretty much everybody drank a little more during COVID, ate, you know, Made, made poor food decisions, especially when football season hit. I was ordering a lot of uh, food, DoorDash, and Uber Eats, stuff like that. So when December came and my follow-up came, I had my blood drawn, and then I was meeting with one of the physicians to go over my results, see where I was at, see what I needed to do to get where I needed to be. And my cholesterol was high. My hemoglobin A1C, which my blood sugar was high. Uh, my vitamin D was like dangerously low. Like the the very minimum for your vitamin D should be thirty. I think I was at a twenty four. Wow. So that's what she was able to do for me at that time. I felt fine. I didn't have any symptoms. I wasn't sick or anything like that. But when you just you know peel the onion back, let's look under the hood. You know, they drew my blood and and you know you pre you're pre diabetic. Now your cholesterol is high, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, she was looking at me like, yo, you're, you're too young to be, to be doing this right here. So that was, it was kind of scary, but it was also an eye opener. And I think that's, you know, something that some, some value that the health nucleus brings to you. Whereas if I go to my primary care physician, you know, that physical is pretty straightforward. There's no real deep dive into anything unless there's unless there's issues whereas here you know i would i would have no reason to go to my primary care physician and he look at my testosterone levels 
mm-hmm. you know, unless I was having some kind of issues with something, but they already did that for me and I was able to, to know, you know? So, so obviously too, um, there's a cost aspect to all of this, right? That also probably makes it tough for a lot of folks to come in. Yeah, that's, that's part of the action. Yeah. So, yeah. So when you think about that, and we don't want this to simply be a wealthy person's opportunity. Um, exactly. At the same time, it costs a lot to do what you guys do. Right, right. Where do you see that balance going over time? I think it's going to go down. There, there's, it has to go down because it's it's becoming more widespread. People, more people are finding out about it, and it's it's going to be commit uh, competing with that uh, with where we're at now with with uh, healthcare. I think um, at some point, insurance will cover it. I think that's the future of it, and people will be able to come in, get this, you know, executive physical that not the executive price. You know, um, it's come down. The price has come down a lot since since I was, when I first started. It was it was it was, was like twenty. Was twenty five thousand? Yeah, when I first started, it was twenty five thousand. And today, where are we? Uh, well, it's around. I think it's around ten, fifteen. Yeah, you, you know, we have a you know, YPO had a discount, so it's twelve five. Uh, yeah, five hundred. You know, look. That's expensive for a whole lot of people. I mean, that's just a little bit, a lot out of reach, right. frankly, for a lot. Right. But you know, the reality is, and I think you know, you, you just hit hit on something I think is super important. You know, if if we if we flip how we look at this, particularly from an insurance standpoint, you know how much money insurance would save when you're able to have this type of preventative measures in place. Where you go, and I think when I was there, you know, they, they told me they took like eighteen thousand images, you know. Oh yeah, through your yeah for your MRI, my MRI, and, and, and it's just you know what you and I was just blown away, you know, by the, the pictures you were sharing with me, you know, my heart. I mean, the things you're able to see and the the, the things that you're able to prevent or at least get ahead of, like you, the insurance companies would save billions of dollars, you know, if you had this opportunity at scale. Billions of dollars in terms of our healthcare costs, and you save a whole lot of lives, quite frankly. Right, exactly. It's switching from, you know, uh, wait till you get sick to, you know, keep you healthy. Well, not only that, but also we talk about the longevity piece, the whole, the the 100 plus plus, right? You know, the ability to have a high level of quality of life, you know. Past, you know, the, the the traditional ages that you know that we all see uh, mortality rates. You know, to go past one hundred and have a really, uh, you know, vigorous and vital life, right? You're able to go out and enjoy. You know, you're not sort of you know, crawling around trying to. You right, know, exactly. Barely. Yeah, hundred plus, hundred plus. I'm still trying to drive around. You know, exactly. You go know? work out outside. Do be active. You know. Exactly. What's, what's, yeah, what's the point if you if you're not gonna be able to do anything? Yeah, I agree, man. So, so where did your interest in this uh, space develop? When did you find yourself being intrigued by this whole preventative, you know, high tech care? I'll call it. Uh, I'd say when I when I was still working in Boston. So when I was job when I was job hunting, just looking out trying to see what what was around here in um, San Diego, it kept human longevity kept coming up but it, it, you know, it just wasn't detailed it wasn't anything it wasn't until i got on the interview and i got to meet the people there everyone was so you know the doctors there we don't call them doctors very laid back first name basis everyone's on the same team everyone's here for the same purpose um and the, the vision i think that you know you're you're not going to be, I don't think you're going to be able to make money in the future going off of when people get sick. You know, I think the money is going to be in keeping people, you know, like you were saying, thriving when they're older, keeping you getting sick. I find more value. I'm willing to pay, you know, the extra money or that pay that heavy tab. If you can tell me right now that, Hey, you have this trait where, yeah, you're probably going to have cancer. 
more than like, here's what you can do to maybe prevent that or slow this down. You know, I, I would pay for that definitely. Then to find out, you know, hey, you got stage three X Y Z today. Right, right. And 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 to to expound on what you were just sharing, I mean, part of this uh, this diagnostic uh, assessment is like sequencing your DNA, right? So you do get a chance to see your genetics and what your predispositions are relative to your health. Exactly, exactly. From uh, cancer variants, from Alzheimer's, uh, any, anything you can think of. Anything you can think of. So what planet is Charles from? They don't know. <laughs> they don't know. Don't know. Don't know. They don't know. That was a joke around, around the nucleus was when we all, so a bunch of us on the team went through and we did the, uh, basically like the, the smaller, the 23 and me version to see kind of where your background was. And my chart was completely like all gray, just 99.9% West <laughs> African. <laughs> we had, we had one other guy in there. I think you, you may remember him, Charles, uh, he did your DEXA and your CT scan. Okay, yeah. Yeah. He's from the Philippines. He, he was another one that was pretty high concentrated. Everyone else was, you know, their pie chart was just full of colors everywhere. Pretty interesting. Yeah. One more thing about just thinking about this in terms of like the, the economics of this, you know, you know, to have an, 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 an aging population that is going beyond the traditional, you know, you know, age of mortality that, that and particularly an aging population that is now vibrant uh, now is certainly more active. You know, the reality around that is that that population now spends more money. Right. They're more active. They do more things. They travel more. Right. They 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 they, they go out and eat. They, they spend money. And so that, that to me, talking about an economic driver that boosts the, the age of spending. Typically, you think of when those older years, people don't spend as much money. Uh, and so, you know, that would be a motivator in my mind to, to really use this as a way not only to better have, to have better long term health outcomes, but also from an economic standpoint. You know, to have yeah, true. more money going into the society, like you're, you're certainly earning and, and earning and spending that money more often uh, than you would be uh, if people were living uh, less, less, you know, in terms of less years of, of their lives. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that 100 percent. People living longer, spending more money, traveling. Yeah, of course, that'll, that'll keep us that'll keep us going. Because the the young culture, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the the spending habits. I don't know. Speaking of speaking yeah, of young culture, you're you're on the you're on the, that side of the uh, the coin for sure. Yeah, um, I feel and, you know. I feel like I'm on the cusp of that. I can I can feel like I see things turning right in front of me. Uh, what's what's in your future? I mean, obviously you're doing great things there, Health Nucleus. So, you know, I was you know it was it was fun last week. I think for both of us. Right. You know, I get to see a young brother doing great work um, in such a you know innovative healthcare setting. Um, what, what are you looking to do? Like what I, obviously you're doing, you, you, like I said earlier, this is like a good thing that you're doing right now. You're, you're in a great place. But long term, what do you, what do you look for your, to do in your career? I think long term, I would like to want to go, want to continue to go there, but not need to. So right now I'm working on. Uh, building up my real estate portfolio. I just closed on my first rental property in January. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. So basically financial freedom, that's what I'm working on. When I'm not when I'm not uh at the health nucleus, I'm I'm trying to I'm I'm learning how to better analyze properties and learning, you know, how to deal with property managers and you know, where where's the next city that might that may be booming. Uh so I, I think that's my goal there, just to add a couple more, maybe maybe one or two more properties this year, and just to keep growing that. Where did you buy? Yeah, I was going to ask the same question. Give us a real estate tip for San Diego County. No, I didn't buy out here. Oh no, I bought in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Oh yeah, yeah. even better. Yeah, Birmingham's Birmingham's doing great right now, man. They yeah. have uh, distribution centers going there for Amazon, CVS. Uh, they have the car manufacturer there for Benz and Kia, Honda. You've got UAB that's right there in the center right there. It is, is, stays busy, too. So good area. 
Oh, they also have like the lowest property taxes after Hawaii. Interesting. Down there in Bama. Yeah, uh, DJs are real estate mogul too. So uh, you guys can oh, nice. tips. Yeah, drop me some nuggets, man. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> you know, when you have two houses on the same street, no need for that at all. So, so real estate. What are some of the other things you're um, considering? Obviously, you know, investments in terms of stocks, mutual funds, etc. Is that an avenue you've taken to, or is real estate your I'm, primary move? So, I've just gotten into that. I got a couple buddies. One, one of my buddies, uh, Gabe, the one that played uh, high school and college with me. That, he's the Wall Street guy. He's been a trader for years, and I just pick his brain whenever I get a chance learning um I'm, I'm pretty conservative when it comes to the stocks man the only thing i'm throwing cash in is just the long-term etfs kind of you know set it and forget it um as i learn more i'll probably i'll probably jump in there a little bit more but real estate is definitely the definitely going to be bread and butter for now that, that's awesome so just to kind of come back a little bit what else is interesting about you and phil who's also of uh, nigerian descent uh, he's the baby of the family, too. Uh, the brother named Mafunsho, Nigerian, who was also the baby of his family. Talk to me about that dynamic um, and the expectations. Did your uh, brothers and sisters ahead of you take all the hard lessons and they left you to do as you pleased? Or did your parents leave some room for you to have some learning, too, uh, talking to my two older sisters they say that they always tell me and my brother like man mom and dad are way easier on y'all you know they're older now we wore them down but they they were still tough they were still tough i like to think of myself as uh, i like to watch i like to sit back and watch like okay my brother he did this didn't go too well i'm not gonna do it that way I'll figure out, you know, I'll learn from his mistake, you know. Um, but being the baby, though, yeah, my, my siblings, they picked on me a lot because I was mama's boy and she she looked out for me, you know. The other, um, the other thing about Houston that I, I love personally, um, it, it's an underground music scene, particularly in, in the whole rap zone. Yeah. You can't leave here without hearing from you. Okay. All the way back to I don't care if it's in the seventies, all the way up to now. Houston, man, give us I mean, your top three. UG, I mean UGK, DJ Screw, Fat Pat, Big Hog, Lil Kiki. I grew up that was that was a little before me. That was you know my my siblings, uh, my my two sisters growing up. That was more uh, that age, you know, ghetto boys around there. And then when I started. You know, late junior high, high school is more Mike Jones, Slim Thug, yeah, yeah. Pop Wall, Chameleon there, a uh, little flip, little flip. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> you got to throw a little flip in there, man. Uh, he got his I, can't, I can't hate, I can't hate on little flip, man. At, at no, one no, point, no, you know, uh, yeah, well, D, DJ Screw crowned him the, the freestyle king, you know, when he was coming up. So I got, you got to respect little flip, but, um, so yeah, I always say, man, anybody, any brother who can dress like a leprechaun on on the cover, yeah, of his oh, man. Little, Cloverland. <laughs> oh man, little flip, man. Little flip was killing it though, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he had, hey, he had a little run. He had he, a nice he had little a run. run. He had I, a nice I, little I did, run. I did comp- get confirmation from Phil. He went to Side Creek, Cypress Creek. He went to Side Creek. Oh, he knows me. He knows me. <laughs> Why are you saying you don't know him? I've already put. I've already put. I think, I think because I think because he was just younger. Okay, but so Side Creek. I remember, man. They are. I, I remember the year out that we played that senior year. They had like this real big D lineman. I forget his name, but I, I won't forget him. He was he was serious. Like I remember looking at their scouting report and watching film on him. He was a dog. He might have he might have just been young though. What did he did he he played corner or safety? Strong safety, strong safety. 
You know what? He okay. might have been a linebacker in in uh, high school though. We'll have to double check. Yeah, because he probably was, yeah he was probably bigger than yeah. in high school. When yeah, he got to college, they were probably yeah, like, hope, all right, you're hopefully he'll get back to me before the podcast is over. He's already responded and say where he went to school, but I I just threw your name out to him, so we'll see what happens. Man, I think he knows. I think he knows. <laughs> at, the end of, at the end of my senior year, when we played side falls, the thing that was crazy was before each before each play, their whole defense was chanting to yo to. Before it was so good, it really tripped me out. It really tripped me out that game. But I, I remember playing Side Creek. There was a, there was a kid that went to my church that went there too. So that's how I was like, man. I know he had to have known if he was on the team at that time. Okay. If I was a senior in two thousand four, I was a senior. So yeah, he he knew. So you telling me you you killed them. Back in 2000. Yeah, we all we always killed Side Creek. I think Side Creek's actually good now, but when when I was in school, yeah, we we used to. He he gonna be mad when he hear this, but we would look at Side Creek and we would kind of pencil like, all right, that's, yeah, we can get them, we can get them. We'll have to have you both on the show yeah, at the same time. It's just, yeah, man, that'd be great. Because he, well, you, man, if he grew up, you mentioned intramural football. And what's that? You mentioned intramural football. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So at it what was point? A, what's that? At what point was that? That was just like two years ago, and that was not. I mean, that was like this. Uh, it's a program that they got out here called Bobby, and it's basically where you have just random people sign up to play. Well, you know, it wasn't anybody out there playing serious. Some of the some of the sports are intramural, uh, co-ed. So flag it, it, or was it touched? Flag. Oh no, 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 it wasn't tackle. No, it was like flag. It was flag. Okay. I literally I'll tell you I'll tell you that story, man. So I, it was actually my birthday. My birthday's in May. So we went out to lunch. We weren't we weren't busy that day at, at the nucleus. So we go out to lunch, had you know, got some lunch, had a couple of drinks, and after afterwards. <laughs> yeah. When we when we finished up. We go um, get some more food and drinks after work. And then one of my buddies, he's like, man, you know, we got that game today. We got that flag football game today. And then, you know, I had a few drinks. I'm hype. I'm like, yeah, let's go play, man. Let me go out there and stuff. So go out there, didn't warm up, didn't stretch. First play out the gate, you know, I literally just stopped. I didn't even run a route. I was just throwing me the ball. Got the ball and I tried to really like open up the stride. Like I'm trying to catch the sideline. Just pull my hamstring. Oh, hurt, hurt my back on oh. the same. Same. Like I had to call out of work the next day. I was I was laid. Out. <laughs> I was laid. I was laid out. I could not move. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, it wasn't anything serious. That the uh, Vavi. You know, this was just like random people getting together, just having some fun playing, you know. So in, in my head, it was tackle. So I'm actually relieved to yeah, know that, that it wasn't. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. So, so yeah, San when I was in San Diego being everything you thought it would be since you moved there. I mean, I'm assuming that you, you love the lifestyle there, that it's been a great place to be. But what what what? has been the biggest surprise to you about San Diego since you moved there and then what's been like the biggest disappointment I'd say I'd say really the, the weather that was the biggest surprise because I thought I came oh this is a good time or whatever I didn't actually think it would be that sunny and that nice for that much of the time of the year um, I'd say the biggest disappointment would be the dog culture here Everybody got a dog, and everybody takes the dog everywhere. You're in the grocery store, you're, wherever you at, like someone's bringing the dog. Interesting. You know? Yeah. Even uh, I've been on a couple of dates, too, where the girl will bring, she'll bring the dog on the first date. The oh, dog. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I, had, I, I took a girl out on a date out here. We went to, we were in Ocean Beach. Wow. Brought the dog. So I'm in the truck like, man. I knew when I was gonna when I was gonna tell one of my boys afterwards, he he was gonna ask me, why didn't you just drive off when you saw the dog? 
So, <laughs> did she tell you she was going to bring the dog? No, didn't tell me. So when I BJ would have driven off. Yes. Yeah, so when I pulled up, I was like, man, I wasn't feeling that, but I was just like, all right, whatever. Get to the get to the spot. Get to the restaurant. Dog's running on the table. Oh, no, you no. know she's she's holding the dog, touching the dog. Didn't uh, you know they're about to bring the uh, appetizers out, and I'm giving her like hint hint like, hey, I'm gonna go wash my hands real quick, thinking <laughs> that she would want to go wash her hands too. Didn't wash her hands, so when they literally just ordered one drink, and I was you know I was looking at my watch like, hey. Uh, Got to get up early. <laughs> Let's get up out of here. So, so hold on, tell me more about the dog, man. This is intriguing. What, this what? was a, it was a, it was a French, it was a French bulldog. All the energy, all the energy. Wow. She's letting the dog run around on the on the table where they're going to be bringing food and drinks. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it was it was horrible. But I, you know, I wasn't going to say anything because I just wanted to see how she was going to move. You know. I wanted to see how, you know, she really just going to let the dog do that. She really not going to wash her hands. Like, all right. Isn't that rude? Isn't that rude to, like, bring a dog? Terrible. <laughs> yeah, the, the dog culture here, man, the, the you know, the dog here, oh, they're treating the dog better than the people here. Wow. That's a lot of places, unfortunately. But um, that's a little bit. Yes, that's, that's a good It's idea. over the top. It's it's over the top. The last, sorry. I went to the grocery store, and man, this lady, she had this big pit bull. Like, I'm over in the meat section. She's standing next to me shopping, and she just has huge pit bull on the leash. I'm just like, wow. That's not in the grocery That was not the culture in Texas. Nah. Wow. And it shouldn't be the culture. I mean, that, that's, that's crazy. Wow. It's, yeah, it's over the top here. They're so treated. Uh, for a single man like yourself, I'm asking for DJ, not for me. But what's funny? Yeah, yeah what, I'm asking for DJ. What, what's the what's the scene like for single men? Uh, well, I'll just leave it as single men. So what man, you, it's a, it's a, I went there. For, I was okay, there for okay. 24 hours. I flew in, stayed at stuff, stayed in the hotel, and went to the health nuclear appointment and flew back next day. Okay. So I, you know, I don't know. Enough. Right, right, right. Man, the girl, the girls look great out here, man. They look great. They take care of themselves. Dating, though, dating's a minefield. It's a minefield. Right. You know, you got the, you got the, you got the IG, you got the IG models. You got the uh, the OnlyFans girls out here. Nah, you got You got to be careful. You got to uh, vet them properly. <laughs> what's your What's your uh, your vetting process? I was actually going to ask y'all that. Man, hold on, hold on, hold on. I was actually going to ask y'all that. Uh, you, don't, you, don't have to ask, you don't have to answer all these questions, man. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm telling you. laughs> oh, man. I don't this married man is asking you all these questions, but you don't have to answer these questions, okay? Wait, from one single man to curious. another, okay? But if you want to, feel free and let it flow. <laughs> oh, man. The, the vetting process? I, you know what? I like to watch. I like to see how you move. You know, how do you treat other people? That's the, probably the number one thing. How do you treat other people? Like if we're out to dinner, or, you know, how are you treating that waitress or waiter that's coming to the table? That's great. Um, how do you spend your money? I want to I wanna see how you spend your money. If you say you got, you know, you got your student loan debt, credit card debt over here, but you're at the mall three, four days out of the week. You know, it's uh, I don't know. That's, that's a red flag for me. I, I love that, man. And I think that's really important, uh, especially the how you treat other people. Right. And operating with entitlement. That takes me back to the dog scenario. You know, again, I, it's cool. That everybody loves their dog. But ask you, hey, are you cool with me having it's no different than a child at that point? Exactly. Right. And if you're not getting a dog sitter on the first date or asking, is this OK? That can say a lot about someone's personality. Yeah. Well, yeah. Bernard in the backseat, that's not going to be cool. <laughs> right. 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 You have a dog? No, no dogs. Okay. My dad, you know, my dad told me, I was talking to him a few months ago. He said he had a bunch of uh, Great Danes growing up. 
And my mom, she was just never a dog person. I ne- I've never had a pet before, other other than some goldfish. That don't count. <laughs> goldfish. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I've never goldfish. Yeah, yeah, I've never had a pet. Nope. So we're winding down, brother. Is there anything you would like to uh, ask us before you uh, leave us? Yeah, I got a couple. So I'll be I'll be 35 next month, man. What would you What would you tell your 35 year old self? Like, hey, do this, or hey, definitely don't do this. Wow, good question. Um, you know, the, I think you know just listening to you um, and some of the conversation we were having last week. I I, I don't know if I tell you anything different than you're probably telling yourself right now, which is you know you know that path to like financial freedom or, or what what you may call building wealth, right? Um, I, I think you're right on target. You know, the real estate piece is really a, a, a great path to pursue. I think, you know, when you buy right and you buy in the right areas, it's like you're doing your homework and your research. I think that'd be a great opportunity for you to continue to to grow and develop that financially for your long-term future. Uh, and then beyond that, you know, obviously you're, you're a young single man. Sounds like you have the right uh, the right things in mind when you're looking for a companion or partner in life. Um, those things about how they treat others, uh, certainly an indication of how they may treat you in the long run, uh, as well as how they handle finances. I mean, those are things that are that two people, when they come together, certainly need to be on the same page about. So, um, hey amen. I, I tell you to stay the course and continue to doing the things you're doing right now. Um, you already know the importance of taking care of yourself and your health. So uh, I'm not sure there's anything else I could add to it, but uh, you know, continue to appreciate that. Stay humble and, and do the things you're doing. I think you'll be you'll be just fine. Yeah, I was appreciate it. Prioritizing financial gain, which you're already doing. Um, it feels like a long road to 45, 55. It'll be here before you know it. Yep. Continue to prioritize that financial gain, if not put that at the center, along with health of, of everything you're doing. Um, when it comes to your mate, man, you're, you're already there. Choose wisely. I mean, you know, dating is cool. You know, there's not a whole lot of necessarily harm in that, especially the way you're approaching it. But when it comes to locking down and being serious, um, compatibility and oftentimes a relationship that's complementary, you know, skill sets and competencies uh, complementary can be critical a, as well. So that's, that's right. my two cents. Um, prenup. <laughs> okay that leads me into my second question because as soon as we're, we're done here i actually got a a, a zoom call debate with my sister about prenups brother there's no debate <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, so I, I've, been, I've been there i've been married i had uh-huh. a prenup. i feel sorry for someone who doesn't my only contrary view to that is it depends on what you come into the relationship with right if you're both coming in with at the same space where you really you're not both contributing a whole lot, like you're not bringing a whole lot to uh, to the relationship, then I don't know yeah. that a prenup really matters, right? Because you're you're building it, you're building it together, and if that's the right, right. situation you come into, then you know I don't think a prenup does you you know a, a ton of good. But to DJ's point, if you're coming in at you know an excessive point where you know, there's not a whole lot of equality around what you're bringing versus what the, your partner's bringing to the table, then absolutely. No question. And all I would say is I would agree with Charles up until you inherit a $10 million property from your parents or from your, that's family. Oh, um, right. So, right. So I, that's fair. I'll say it again. Brother, it's not a good thing. <laughs> I, I would, oh, I would yeah. a Zoom call. Just cancel yeah. the blue call, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just want to talk to your sister for a while. And I got somebody you can talk to as well. So, yeah. Oh, nice, yeah. nice. You know what? Yeah, my, my sister's the attorney, and she, you know, arguing with her about anything is, is you know, you, you you behind the chains. But, yeah, thank you for those nuggets. I like to well, go in there. How do you talk to another attorney and a, and a practitioner yeah. in life right here? Yeah, it's never a bad thing. Because right. you still ultimately decide what you want to divvy up. At the end of the day, even if you have a prenup, but don't leave it to chance. Right, right. Gotcha. It'd be a tough conversation. Yeah, I don't want to leave it to chance. I don't, I'm not too risky, you know. Every I don't think I've ever bet anything when I've been in Vegas. So, oh, man, neither. Bam, never. There you go. Never. Yeah, I don't like to. No, I'm not, I don't like to gamble like that. Nope. Right. 
Um, it's a pleasure, man. It's been a pleasure get, getting to know you. Yeah, we'll we'll stay in touch, man. And uh, I'll be in Encinitas uh, for the month of mostly June and July. So we'll okay. spend time together. Look forward to it. Man, I appreciate it, man. This has been fun, for real. It's been an honor. Thank you for the for the invite, for sure. Yeah, we appreciate it. It's a pleasure. And um, thank you for joining us on The Conscious Vibe. Thank you for joining us. And check us out on tcvpodcast.com. Mm-hmm.